Happy Easter. He is risen. Oh, good. Y'all did it. Yay. I only get to do that once a year. I mean, I could do it more often, but, but I typically only do it once a year. And, and uh, I'm so glad that y'all are here. And if y'all are new uh, to fellowship, let me introduce myself. My name is Fred, and I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, and I'm so glad that you're here. You have walked into a church, and what you're going to find is a group of people uh, who have one thing in common. And literally, Depending on who you talk to, this is the only thing we have in common because we are from different ages, uh, different backgrounds, different socioeconomic ranges. We are very different. But one thing that we have in common is our desperate need for the gospel. And here's what I mean by that. Everything that our faith is centered on, everything that the Christian faith is centered on, we're going to talk about today. Um, Because we're going to talk about the resurrection, the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead three days later. That's called the resurrection. And as a matter of fact, the resurrection is so central to our faith. There's a writer in the New Testament called Paul. And what he said is he said that if the resurrection didn't happen, then we are fools. And we have no business being here together. That's how central what we're going to talk about today is. But I'm also going to be honest with you and show you what we're going to see because this is such a big deal, this this idea of Jesus raising from the dead. It's such a big deal that that, as a pastor, this is a little bit hard for me to say, uh, but it's true. But it's such a big deal that we're going to see two people today in Scripture struggle with this reality, the fact that the resurrection is hard to believe, right? Because somebody raising from the dead is hard to believe. And let's just get that out there, right? The resurrection is hard to believe. And I know some of you are here today, and you don't believe it. That's okay, you're not alone, and, and, and when I say you're not alone, I mean you're really not alone. We're gonna see two people walk away from the resurrection, and maybe this is where you are. Maybe you've experienced church in some place where the resurrection is central, and maybe something or, or, or maybe someone has caused you to step back or step away, and you're gonna resonate with the, these two people that we're gonna see in our passage today. But like I said, you're not alone. Not only are there other people in this room today that that are walking and stepping back and stepping away with you, but we're gonna see a couple as they walk away from the resurrection, literally, we're gonna see them not being alone because here's what we're gonna see. When you walk away, Jesus walks with you. Now let that sink in for a minute. When you walk away, Jesus walks with you. Jesus meets you as you're walking away. And so here's what we're gonna see today that's amazing. That not only is the resurrection hard to believe, we're also gonna see that the resurrection is hard to deny. Right, the resurrection is hard to believe, but we're also gonna see that the resurrection is hard to deny. Now we're in a series called Unsubscribed, uh, right, because how many of you have ever unsubscribed from a newsletter before, right? 
yeah, it seemed good at the time, you got it, or you didn't even know you signed up for it, and it started showing up in your email every day or twice a week or once a week, and finally, you took up the nerve to hit unsubscribe, which is hard. This is what's crazy. If you're a people pleaser, it's actually hard to do that, because you feel like you're going to hurt somebody's feelings, right, when you unsubscribe. You're not. You're not. It's just a machine. Nobody's going to get offended. But sometimes, we unsubscribe from our faith. Right, We opt out from our faith. And that could be for a variety of reasons. It could be because of doubt. It could be because of fear. Or maybe it's like what we're gonna see today. Maybe you've unsubscribed. Maybe you've opted out because the resurrection was too hard to believe. That maybe you expected something different than what you got from church. And what you got was just too hard to believe. You expected one thing and you got another. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you, and it's on page 732 in that Bible, or you can also download the Bible app, uh, and we're in there. If you download the Bible app, that's what it's called, the Bible app, uh, click on events and click on Fellowship Asheville, and our scripture is there today. Our announcements are there today. You can even fill out a connect card there online. And as you're turning there, I want to catch you up where we are in history in Luke chapter 24. Because Jesus has already suffered through trials. If, if, if you know the story of Jesus, he, he had these 12 disciples, these 12 men that, that he taught how to, how to live this new covenant, this Christian faith. Um, and uh, he knew that he was going to be crucified. And he kept telling them he's gonna be crucified, but for some reason, they didn't believe it. They expected one thing, and he gave them another. And, and, and sure enough, the night of the Passover, um, which is this Jewish festival that celebrates the deliverance of God, the deliverance of Israel from, from Egypt, they, they gather and, and they have this meal together. And, and if you've ever had a Passover, we had a Seder Passover here uh, this week. And I'm gonna tell you, it is a lot lot of food, and it is amazing to see the correlations between God delivering the nation of Israel from Egypt and God delivering us through Christ. And they got to enjoy that meal with Christ, right? And then, and then they had this meal, and, and that's when Judas was exposed as the betrayer, and so he left, and, and Jesus and the other disciples went to the garden to pray and, and, and he told them to pray and he stepped off to the side and they all fell asleep, which if they, if they did the, the Seder meal like, like most people do, they had four glasses of wine. So that's why they fell asleep, right? And so, so they're sound asleep. Jesus comes and wakes them up and goes back to pray and then all of a sudden this mob shows up to arrest Jesus. And they do. And they, they lead him through different trials, he sees different judges and different government officials, and every single trial was unjust and unfair and off the books. And then on Friday, they crucified him like a criminal. And he died on the cross like a criminal, just as the scriptures said that he would. And he did that because he took on the punishment of our sin. Because he lived this perfect life and yet died the death of a criminal so that we who haven't lived a perfect life, can get the reward of his perfect life. And so he died on the cross. And then if you were one of the disciples, this was incredibly confusing to you. Because you thought he was gonna take over and he was gonna be in peace and he was gonna bring Israel back to their righteous place in the world. And all of a sudden your leader is dead. 
And everything goes silent for three days. And they waited and they prayed and some scattered. They didn't know what was going on. And then on the, and then on the dawn of the third day, some women went to the tomb because the death happened so fast and the burial happened so fast that they couldn't prepare his body for a funeral. And so these women went to the tomb to do that and the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty. And two angels sat on that tomb telling them that he has risen. And what's interesting, if you know anything about, about Jewish history, uh, in, the, in the temple and in the tabernacle in the most holy of places was the Ark of the Covenant. And on that Ark were two angels. And that Ark was to remain closed. And the only person that could see that ark was the, the, the high priest. And yet when these women showed up, there are two angels sitting on this empty compartment, this empty tomb. Because it's not like the ark of the covenant that was closed off and sealed. It is a new covenant and it is open and it is empty because Jesus is alive. And that's what these women saw. That's what these women experienced. And then they went back and they told people that he had risen from the dead just like he said. But like I said at the beginning, the resurrection is hard to believe and not everyone believed them. Because look at these two in verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13. It says, that very day, two of them were going uh, to a village named Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem. So, so here's what's happening. The, the reports of Jesus is alive, is spreading and these two people leave Jerusalem and head back home to Emmaus. Like the scripture says, it's about seven miles away. And they leave the very day of the resurrection. And here's what we're gonna see as we work through this passage. They had heard that Jesus is alive. So they didn't leave after the crucifixion. They heard that Jesus was alive. But, but here's the question I have, is who are these two people? Right? Last year I was studying this text, just as in my own quiet time, my own devotion time, and when I got to this text about two people, um, I, I had some questions because we'll notice a little bit later that these two people invite Jesus into their home, which means that these two people live together. And so here's the question I had. I had always thought that these two were two men on the road to Emmaus, right? How many of you think that, thought that? Think that? Yeah, here, here's why. These pictures help us think that these are two men, right? You see all these wonderful paintings of Jesus walking with these two men, talking about the crucifixion and resurrection. But here's what I wondered as I got to the passage where they invited Jesus into their home. Why are these two men living together and inviting Jesus into their home? Seemed like a pretty simple question. Are they brothers? Is there another reason that they're living together, that, that they invite Jesus into their home? You see, I had these, I had these thoughts, and I, and, I, and I couldn't figure out. Well, so I started doing some digging. I started looking at cross-references in my Bible and started reading commentaries of people who are much smarter than I am. And y'all, what I'm about to tell you, I'm not the only person who thinks this, but it blew my mind. Because what we're gonna see and what I'm gonna show you, and again, I could be completely wrong. I think I'm right, or else I wouldn't say it, but I could be completely wrong and I'm not the only one who thinks it because if I was the only one who thought it, I would be wrong, right? Because there are smarter people ahead of me that had, have studied this. But here's what I discovered. These two aren't men. They're a married couple. 
It's a husband and a wife walking back. And the scriptures tell us who they are. Because in verse 18, we see that this guy's name is Cleopas. Right? And so we see the name Cleopas. And if you have a good Bible, you'll see a cross-reference of that name Cleopas because this isn't the only time that he's mentioned. In John chapter 19, verse 25, it says this. Now, the, you'll notice the name is spelt a little bit different. Well, they spelt it correctly here. But in your Bible, uh, it's spelt a little bit different because sometimes when translating, John is written in Aramaic, and, and, and sometimes vowels get dropped when you translate from Aramaic to English. And in, and in your Bible, it probably has the name Cleopas without the E. It just has C-L-O-P-A-S, right? But it's the same name most commentators believe, because it's the same person. And John tells us who his wife is because it says, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleopas, and Mary Magdalene. And so we've got Cleopas and Mary walking back from the resurrection. But let me, let me, let me show you what's, what's interesting because if this is the same Cleopas, then this wasn't two men, it was actually a married couple and not any married couple because we see that one of them, we see, we see this Mary was at the crucifixion when it happened. She was there with the, the mother of Jesus. She was there uh, with Jesus' sister. Some people think she could be, um, uh, I mean, she was there with, with Mary's sister. Some people think that she could be Mary's sister, but it'd be odd to have two Marys in one family, right? So some people think it may be Mary's sister-in-law, that she's actually Joseph's sister, or some people think the comma's in the wrong place. That it could be Jesus, you know, at the cross of Christ were Jesus, uh, his mother, comma, and his mother's sister, comma, and Mary, the wife of Cleopas, comma, and Mary Magdalene. That there's actually four people there. Because, you know, it doesn't have commas in Greek. And, so, com and so, so translators do their best to piece this together. But this is the same Mary that was walking with Cleopas. Now then, let me blow your mind just a little bit more. Because if this is the Mary that was at the crucifixion, the verse that, 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 that Liv read to us this morning, Matthew 8, it says, now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb. And so not only did this Mary experience the crucifixion, she experienced the empty tomb. She experienced the crucifixion and she experienced the resurrection. And she went home and told her husband about it. And he said, we're getting out of town. Why? Because the resurrection is too hard to believe, which is what makes this next verse make sense. In verse 14, it says, and they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Now, this word talking with each other, depending on what translation you have, it says the word debated because this, they weren't just talking with each other, they were arguing with each other about what happened, right? Those of you who are married, have you ever had an argument with your spouse? I would think if one of you witnessed the res, no, I know that's a lie. <laughs> I know that's a lie. If one of you had experienced the resurrection and the other one hadn't, don't you think that would be a hot topic to talk about? Especially when one of you is saying, listen, we've gotta get out of town. This is too much. This is, is too much to believe. Because see, they, they, they were arguing. And they arguing about the events that had happened. They were debating about the crucifixion and maybe even the resurrection. And why were they debating? Because the resurrection is hard to believe. 
Let me ask you, maybe this is where you are. Maybe you and your spouse are on two different pages when it comes to the resurrection. One of you says yes, and the other one says, eh, I don't know. That's kind of a, it's kind of hard to believe. Or maybe it's not about you and your spouse. Maybe it's just about you. And maybe you've been to church. Maybe you've even seen God answer prayers. Maybe you've seen him answer the prayers of others, but not your prayers. Maybe Maybe you've even witnessed miracles and it was just too hard to believe at the end of the day. And maybe you have walked away or maybe you haven't physically walked away. Maybe you haven't physically left the church, but maybe you have emotionally or spiritually walked away. Maybe you are walking away. Maybe you are here on Sundays and you're serving and you're greeting, you're working uh, in the nursery, you're working with fellowship kids, but in your heart, you're walking away. In your heart, you're growing cynical. In your heart, you're growing critical. Maybe Maybe emotionally or spiritually, you're walking away because this, this whole thing is just too hard to believe. Maybe, maybe this whole thing isn't at all what you expected. But here's what I want you to remember, church. When you walk away, Jesus walks with you. I heard this, this preacher one time talk about he and his wife, and, and, and this was early in their marriage, and, and, and they were having the conversation of taking divorce off the table, right? Because if you're married, divorce is no longer an option biblically, like you work through it. And, and, and he looked at his wife and he said, listen, one day you may leave me, but I need you to know that I'm probably going to go with you, right? You may leave but Jesus is gonna go with you. Because Jesus, when you walk away, Jesus walks with you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something real quick too to parents. Because if you're a parent of a kid, you have this fear that no matter what you do, the resurrection's gonna be too hard to believe for your kids. And that one day they're gonna walk away. Proverb says, train a child up in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. That is a proverb, not a promise, which means most of the time, that's the way it's gonna work. But I'll be honest with you, not every time. But let me tell you what does happen every time. If your kid walks away, Jesus walks with them, right? You can't control them, you can influence them, but you can't control them. And no matter what awful decisions they make, no matter, no matter what great decisions they make, no matter where they are, you can trust that Jesus is right there beside them. And that in a moment, they can do what we're gonna see this couple do because Jesus is there. Look at verse 15. Um, this is verse 15. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself draw, new, draw near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So for you, if, if you're emotionally, spiritually, even physically walking away, or if your kids are walking away, here's the deal. Jesus can be walking with you and you don't even know it. And you don't even recognize him, but he's there. Verse 17, and he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleopas, that's where we know his name, answered him. Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there these days? And he said to them, what things? 
And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, but how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. See, that's where he expected Jesus to, to come in and, and, and kick Rome out and Israel reclaim its, its glory. Yes, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things happened. And moreover, some of the women in our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But him, but him they did not see. So see, Cleopas tells exactly where he is. And he doesn't hold back. He was expecting something completely different than what he got because what he got was too hard to believe. And, and, and listen, y'all, like this guy heard from eyewitnesses. His wife might have been one of those people who he was referring to, right? He heard from the people that went to the tomb. He heard from Peter the same story over and over and over again, and yet, he didn't respond because it was too hard to believe. And if this is you, take heart because look how Jesus responds in verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Okay, foolish ones might seem a little harsh at first, right? Let me tell you what, what a fool means biblically and put yourself in, in Jesus' mind and this couple's mind. A fool biblically, according to the Proverbs, again, and according to the Old Testament, which is the only Bible that they had was the Old Testament, is a person who has been exposed to the truth of God and, and doesn't believe it and chooses not to believe it and turns away from it. That's biblically a fool. And so for all practical purposes, this couple who have witnessed the resurrection, who have heard eyewitnesses from the resurrection, who have been exposed to that truth and left, in biblical terms, Jesus is lovingly calling them fools. But he doesn't leave them there right? Because that would be harsh. But our Jesus isn't harsh. He's truthful. And so what he does next had to be amazing. Because look at verse, at verse 26. He says, it wasn't not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And so Jesus started in Genesis and works his way through what we know as the, as, the, as the Old Testament. That was the full Bible for them. And what he did as he walked through that is he explained everything to them about himself. Like they got a Bible study from Jesus himself. And keep in mind, this whole time though, he hasn't shown who he is. And maybe this is you and you're in that place where you hear great teaching, um, where, 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 but you've still walked away. You've opted out either physically, emotionally, spiritually. Well, look at this because this is how to opt back in. Look at, look at what happens next. In verse 28, and so they drew near to the village in which they were going. He acted as if they were going further, but they urged him strongly saying, stay with us for it is toward evening and the day is now far spent. And so he went to stay with them. And when he, was at, when, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Now, here's what's interesting. 
Jesus is in their home, and yet he's the one that takes the bread and blesses it. They put him in this place of honor. They put him in this place. Not only is he this honored guest, they put him in the place of the host. Because if this is your house, that's what you do, right? Is you break the bread and you say the blessing and you give it to your guest. But if somebody is there that is of a higher ranking spiritually than you, a higher authority to you, we do this here too. We say, well, here's what happens when I come over to your house. You say, Fred, would you pray for us? Right? Because I'm the pastor. Right? I'm the honored guest. That's what they do for Jesus. They put him in this place of an honored guest. You see, he's the one who just explained the entire Bible to them. And so they put him in this place. And, and this is our first glimpse to what it looks like to opt back in. Because the resurrection is hard to deny when Jesus is in his proper place. Right? It's hard to deny the resurrection when he's sitting at the head of the table, when he's the center of your life. It's hard to deny who, who he is because here's what happens. And y'all, this is so cool because here's what happens when you put Jesus in his proper place, when you put him as your top priority, when you put him as the center of, the, of your life, when all your decisions run through him because when Jesus is in his proper place, you get to see what you couldn't see before because look at this in verse 31. In verse 31, it says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Now here's the picture, right? He, he takes the bread and, and when, they, when they would give a blessing, they would hold the bread up, right? And if, and if this was Jewish times, I'd have this robe on, wouldn't that be comfy? And, and, and the sleeves would come down like here. And, and, and when I would hold the bread up, what would happen to the sleeves? They slide down. And then when I gave the bread out, what would you see in Jesus' hand? You would see scars. You see, because they placed him at the head of the table, because they put him as the honored guest, they got to see something that they wouldn't have seen otherwise. They got to see him for who he really is. And their eyes were opened. You see, they couldn't have seen him unless they invited him to that place at honor at the table. And when they saw his scars, they realized he is alive. You see, and here's the deal. The resurrection is hard to believe when Jesus lives. All their theories just turned to fact real quick. All those rumors just turned to truth real quick. Because the resurrection is hard to believe when Jesus lives. And it's hard to, I mean, it's hard to deny when Jesus lives. You see, it's hard to, de to deny a living Savior who hundreds of people have testified for. You know, in this, in this time during the resurrection, literally hundreds of people saw the resurrected Jesus. And they told the story over and over and over again. We have thousands of years of history. We sang a song that was written in the early 1700s today by a person who's giving testimony to the fact that Jesus lives. For thousands of years, millions and millions and millions and billions of people have said Jesus lives because their lives have been changed, because they have met him and they know him. 
And the resurrection is hard to deny when Jesus lives. And when you put Jesus in his proper place at the head of the table, at the center of your life, as a top priority, as the top priority in your life, the resurrection is hard to deny. And look at their response in verse 31, the rest of verse 31. It says, and their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did, our, did not our hearts burn within us while we talked to him on the road and while he opened the scriptures? And so now, they, now that they know he, who he is, they can look back when, when he was teaching them the Bible and telling them who Jesus is, they realize, wait a second, even before our eyes were opened, our souls knew who he was. Our hearts burned within us. Like we, when he taught, we were going, yes. Yes, that's right, that's right. But their eyes were closed. And so their soul was telling them that Jesus lives even before their eyes did. And the resurrection is hard to deny when your soul tells you that Jesus is alive. And some of you are sitting here today and your head is telling you no, but your heart is telling you yes. Listen to your soul. Because your soul is telling you that Jesus is lives. And maybe your eyes don't see it right now, but your soul does. And God may be silent. And maybe that's what's caused you to walk away. Maybe that's what's caused you to opt out. Maybe that's what's caused you to put these walls around your heart. Your heart. Well, remember, when you walk away, church, who walks with you? Jesus walks with you. And today you can do what this couple does because look at verse 33. It says, and they arose the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was, and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And so what this couple did is they returned to the people of God. And so today for you, the resurrection is your invitation to return. And if you have walked away physically, if you are walking away emotionally or spiritually, today is your invitation to return because today we celebrate the resurrection. And if you've walked away physically, I've got good news for you. We'll be here again next week and you can come back. It's that easy, right? Our serve, just so you know, our service times are different regularly. We've got a 9 and a 10.45. So if you're up at 8.30, we're going to put you as a greeter or something. <laughs> Have you making coffee or something like that. All right, so 9 and 10.45. But you can return because we will be here next week. But here's the deal. Maybe you need to return emotionally. Maybe you need to return spiritually. Maybe you need to let that wall come down. Well, this is the good news of our gospel because Jesus lives and he's been walking with you this entire time and at church we use this word called repentance and it means to turn and so returning like this couple is simply turning to Jesus it's turning to him and so let today church be the day that you stop walking away that you turn that cynicism into worship that that wall comes down, right? The, the, the stuff that you're using to replace Jesus in your life, you turn away from and turn to him. 
And we leave today with Jesus in his proper place, at the head of the table, right, in the center of our lives, as the top priority in our life. And we let him be the filter that we make decisions through. We let him be the filter that we live our life through because he's always with us. And maybe today is the day that you simply turn to him because he lives. Let's pray. Jesus, you are alive. We do not pray to a distant God. We pray to one who is in us. We pray to one who is beside us. We pray to a God who is with us. And Father, that is no, uh, that is, we don't take that for granted. Father, because other gods are far away, other gods are demanding, other gods are fickle, but you, you are loving and patient and kind and holy and true and righteous, and somehow all of those work together in you, and you are love, and there is no darkness we can step into that you are not beside us. When there is no decision that we can make that is too far away to turn to you. And so God, I pray today that, that if anybody in here is, is in that dark place, that if anybody in here needs to turn to you, that today would be the day they say yes. And they put you in your proper place. And they see you for who you are and that they leave this building different than they came in. In Christ's name we pray, amen.